Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. I hear you. Is it me, a ma'am, sir? Yes, it's you, a ma'am, sir. Hi, ma'am, sir. Hi, ma'am, sir. Hi, ma'am. Are you there? Good. Hey. Oh, now you're in my ears. Okay, cool. Really? Yeah. I just I just Thanks. unplugged it and plugged it back in, and now. I love when funny. that works. I know. It seems like it's not going to, because it never does. <laughs> And then it does. It does. I was, okay, this is totally random, but like along that same train of thought, I was thinking about like how you know sometimes when you can't open a brand new jar and you like bang it with a knife. Yeah. Like it doesn't that sound the exact same? Like you, it shouldn't sound like just hitting it will make it open. No. But that works. Like that's a legitimate I solution. I think okay. I showed somebody that once. I don't remember who it was. It was like a, a roommate or something. And I did that, and they were like, what are you doing? I'm like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make it open. And they were like, what? And then, and then when it opened, they were, like, so flabbergasted. They were like, how did you even know to do that? Like, you've never seen that before? Because, like, mom taught me that. Yeah. Or somebody. I think, I'm pretty sure it had to be mom. Yeah. Sure, but, like, what are you doing? I think it was Laura. Smack um, it a couple times with the bottom of the knife. It, it works. Yeah, that's going, it's going to work. All right. Like, we're all here. We're all, all there. Right, all right, all right, all right. Um, I'm sorry if you can hear the washing machine. Oh, I can hear the washing machine. Okay, good. <laughs> I said I just started it because, like, Jess was like, "I'm on my way home." I'm like, I'll just throw stuff in while I wait. Stu called like right when, right after, right before Jess said she was gonna go with mom to get a donut. Oh, really? Stu called and was like, "Do you want to go to IKEA with me?" And I was like, "No," because I'm gonna podcast right now. And he's like, "Okay." And then he went, and I totally could have gone to IKEA with him, but. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> It's it's okay though, cause like it's um, IKEA, and I would have gotten stuck there probably. I would have gotten lost. Oh no! The towels. You can usually get us out. That's true. You could use good directional yeah. abilities. I still need fine. to get something like probably from IKEA at some point, and I'm just gonna hate having to do it. Like what do you I need. Just, I still need like more surface area in my room. Like mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like I only have like the one little set of drawers i need like shelves or something yeah. so that i'm not all crowded like all of my just like yeah. drawer set and it's so like you need some organization for my kids. exactly i only, i need more surface area <laughs> than my floor and my drawers oh man it's just so hard to navigate that place i just hate it so much but it's like you gotta do it sometimes i know i know mary i know it's real good to hear you both at the same time <laughs> <laughs> Likewise. Likewise, my Igualmente. friend. Igualmente. Igualmente. So I have, oh, unimportant chit-chat things, notes I just need to go over with you guys. Yeah. It's Star Wars Day. So oh, yes. happy May the 4th be with you. That's what I was going to say, too. May the 4th be with you, sir. Yes. May the 4th be with you. But also, whoever hears this is not going to be Star Wars Day when they hear it. Oh, but, but still. We, we go back in time. And wish you, <laughs> and may the fourth be with you, because it's our may the fourth be with you. That's right. And also, on that note, I have nothing else to say about that. <laughs> well, I think that Star Wars Day is very important, and I think it should have been a part of the Google Doodle, because the Google Doodle... It wasn't? Not. No, I, I looked on my phone today on Google, and it was not Star Wars. It was like, a, it was a man, and I don't know what the man did, but it was not... Oh man! It was not Star Wars. It should have been like Chewbacca, right? Because he just passed away. Yeah, right? oh, it should have right. definitely been Chewbacca. I saw somebody watching that when I left today to go to the post office. I saw like somebody had their window wide open. They're watching like all the Star Wars movies. They had like them <laughs> yeah. all out on the <laughs> couch, and they had like 
Chewbacca was big up on the screen. Like, that's a good idea. That's so awesome. That is yeah. a great idea. Like, why wouldn't you do that if you had Saturday off? Just, like, watch all the Star Wars movies. Oh, well, let me tell you guys, my Saturday has been me in bed with my iPad and a book, and I've been loving good. it. Good. Like, that's just all I've done today. And then I ordered a pizza, and good. then I brought that pizza into my room. And I was like, you know what? We're, we're going full ham. And I went that's full called ham. a day off. That's man. really good, Mira. Yeah. That is a day off. I felt like I needed it. And I'm that's sure the excuse I'm going with. Like, I you need, need this. an excuse. No. You work a full-time job. You don't need no <laughs> excuse to have a day off. 100%. i probably going to go to Pizza Night at Stu's. That was another thing on, the, on that phone conversation. Then when he called to see if I wanted to go at Ikea, he's like, do you want to do pizza night? I'm like, are you going to do pizza night? He's like, sis, for the past 20 years, I've done pizza. I was like, Stu, <laughs> last week you had wings. So don't. <laughs> it's a valid question. Are you doing pizza night? So I guess that was his way of saying yes. If he hears this, he's gonna get mad. At me. Stu, so Stu has such a such a strange like sense of like memory though, like justified memory. I know. Like, I feel like we've talked about this before, but like he he's so sharp on so many like so many things, and he will get you unlost if if even like like he'll remember the back streets of Orlando to this day of like how right. I how it's easiest to get me to UCF wherever I am. Like that's great, yeah. Stu. But why don't you remember? Going to see Iron Man two, <laughs> like at all. He doesn't remember Iron Man two. He doesn't remember Iron Man two at all, or the specific memory that he took me and Jesse to see it opening day. Oh my! Gosh. Like we, the three of us, just the three of us went and saw Iron Man two, and I'm like, know. you don't remember that at all. He's like, no. I'm like, dude. He also doesn't like... remember like not having pizza the last like three Saturday nights, or just like any jokes that he ever did that wasn't like. I don't even know. Oh, yeah, like, or he true. thinks any any book that he's ever lent me, I guarantee you, six months later, he thought that was my book. If he ever saw me holding it again, <laughs> like that's happened so many times. He thinks I own the entire Harry Potter series, and it's come up several times. And I'm like, Stu, no, those are all your books. I own six and seven, one through five. That's all you. Maybe he's <laughs> just thinking about like me because I do have them. So he must know that somebody else owns them all. That's not him. Yeah, but he, that, he, we he got them that. at the same time. But I'd always get my own. I was holding. Okay, guarantee, like, he, because he, Stu gives me books all the time, like, like, once he reads a book, is usually, like, and then he'll hand it to me, at least when, like, when we were home, like, we were in the same state together, and, like, I have, like, short stories from him, and, like, Cloud Atlas, and things like that, mm-hmm. I was rereading Cloud Atlas, like, I had read it the first time when he gave it to me, and, like, maybe a month later, I was reading it again, like, in the living room, I, and, like, literally, it wasn't even a month since he handed me that book, he walked by, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's such a great book, right, when did you get it, I'm like, no, dude, <laughs> No, 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 no. But now, all of a sudden, he remembers Young Merlin, some other book he gave me that's in a box somewhere still in my closet in, oh, in California. I'm like, why is that the one? That's he the has a selective, a selective elephant memory. It's yeah, so totally. <clears throat> Very selective. Stu, if you're listening to this, I love you so much, but I you don't understand so it. I don't but understand it. You didn't have pizza night last week, so... <laughs> So don't judge her. So no double checking on asking you that. Okay. Anyway, a <laughs> mere borrowing books. Okay. Also, this is also not important. But did you guys ever read the Trader Joe's publication that they have? Yes, I love it so much. I did. No, I read the last. What? Yeah, it's like it, it looks like an old fashioned like newspaper, and it's called the Fearless Flyer. They have it like I think every month, once a month. Or maybe every every other month, but it's so enjoyable to read, and then I want everything in it. So I got the cold brew that they advertised in it. I read 
like, sis would totally like that. Oh, I totally did. I got Perfect. it yesterday, and then I made it last night, and I had so much of it today. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, it's way too much coffee. Like, I made it last night so me and Harrison would have it. Like, before he went to work, he'd have it in the morning, and then I would have it whenever I got up. And it's so good, but it's so, like, caffeinated. It's so caffeinated. Oh but it's God. delicious, like, guys. It's it's stories? It's like a newspaper story? Yeah, it's like a newspaper. Like, it looks kind of like recycled paper. Like, it's a, kind of an old-looking, and it, it's got, like, old illustrations in it. Oh. And just really good descriptions of everything they sell that's, like, special that month. And they're, nice. they're like, funny. They're, like, funny little blip explanation ads yeah. of what they have. And... Yeah, so they got they got the cold brew, and they had a really good cookie butter ice cream that I also got. Oh, my God. Oh, man. I am all about cookie butter. That It's so that good, Mary. You would love this crap. so much. It was so good. It's so good. So That's next time you guys come, I'm going to make this pitcher of cold brew and we'll yes. have ice cream. Thank you. Yes. And what else did I get that they advertised? Oh, like some uh, mushroom chicken thing that I made for dinner. It was really good. Nice. Oh, was it like frozen or was it like a recipe that yeah it was frozen but it came in like different pouches there was like the vegetables and the sauce and the chicken and you like nice. cook them together and it was mm. delish it sounds so good yeah it was really good okay so that's all that unimportant stuff i don't remember why i had to tell you about that well i think coffee, that's all very important it's very important okay i'm glad you think <laughs> we so. are three english majors reading material on on a daily basis that need to discuss it with each other that's the whole point of the podcast that is true as a mamser that is true. <laughs> As me, I'm sorry. Um, I did not hear back about our podcast application yet for Google, but we should hear about by May 31st. Oh, so awesome. You know. Thank Ooh, you. And exciting. it's May. So we'll just wait on that. That's great to know. Yeah. All right. You want me to dive into this? Yes. Oh, man. I'm so excited. I'm so jazzed. Okay. We are three English majors, and today we're going to discuss Peter Pan. Woo! Yes. I'm pretty excited about it. Here we There's go. so much information. But I'm not going to make you go through all of it with me. Um, I, I selected, like, a lot of it. But there, oh. I feel like we could have, like, podcasted about Peter Pan for, like, a year after all the stuff that <laughs> there is out there about it. I'm, I'm sure. But I don't need to give you a rundown of this because you know Peter Pan. Right? Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We all know Peter Pan. And I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know the story of Peter Pan. Some version of it. Yeah. Probably. You know, Disney so or non. Right. Probably well, at least the Disney version. Which isn't uh, – it's still a good version. It's not the exact version. Yeah. Actually, you, it's a great version. I mean, like, in terms it. of, like, Disney, like, quote-unquote, like, Disneyfying, like, fairy tales or, like, other stories, Peter mm-hmm. Pan is actually a movie, I feel like, that they left things out, but the things that's in the movie, for them, like, it did happen. Like, at least, yeah. like, like – I think they the didn't story really... line is pretty much the same. Yeah. They didn't really, like, adjust the ending – or they like you know what I mean like again they yeah. left things out the lost boys and stuff like mm. not remaining in England but like for the, like mm. it's not like they straight up I mean Ariel <laughs> Ariel survives in Disney but like, yeah they, they they didn't Ariel it they didn't sure. Ariel they didn't Little Mermaid <laughs> to use a verb <laughs> use Ariel as a verb <laughs> I feel like uh, the, the Disney one is so good like because of the yeah. music I think it's beautiful yeah just just real quick. I love that. It is. And I think it, it like definitely keeps like the magic feeling of the story. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. super I, I don't know. That's completely like preserved in my mind from the yeah. from the book to that Disney version. Yes. It's still as magical as it feels when you read it. That's wonderful. Yes, I believe. So 
we're going to just go over, since we already know the, the, the plot and pretty much everybody does, we're going to go over all details of the history of it. Cool. And um, that sounds cool. Some just like important story elements that it changed in other stories as awesome. far as storytelling goes. Okay. That's what we're do. Off we go. Off we go. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so the history of Peter Pan Yay. is by J.M. Barry, James Barry. I'll probably refer to him as J.M. or James. Just I hope you know who I'm talking about. When I heard J.M. or James or Mr. Your good Barry. Friend, your good my friend, friend James. My friend James. Yes. My friend James here. Um, the first appearance of, of the character Peter Pan was not in the play or the book. It was in another book that he wrote called The Little White Bird. Oh, and in great. that, yeah, that was the first appearance of his character in 1902. Oh, so cool. Yeah. And that is, it's funny because he's not like a full grown Peter Pan in that book. He's a seven day year old baby. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's about his adventures same. in Kensington Garden, like how he escaped yeah. babyhood oh, and regular so life, cute. and escaped into Kensington Garden and was like raised by fairies. So, so cute. Yeah, that one is in a story called The Little White Bird, and he's like a minor character, but that's his first appearance in anything. Oh my that's god, so interesting. That's because cute. do you think that means then you know how like Peter in the book kind of gives a few different like options for his backstory like he says a couple yes. different versions so do yeah. you think that mean that that one the one where he says like <laughs> i was i was a baby who saw my train in the very yeah. me like that that's actually definitely probably the earliest version of that and there are so many different versions because he changed it jm barry changed it so many times but that is the first one that he wrote down in like on paper in publishing that wasn't a stage version of it interesting yeah so if you remember him bringing that up later that's probably referring to that story from the little white bird that's so weird i didn't know any of that yeah so that's his first appearance ever on anything that anyone would ever know who is this guy peter pan so the stage premiere i i think you guys know this but maybe it's not common knowledge that the book was not published first it was a stage production for much longer before the book came out I right. would just like real quick clarify. I only know that because you as a mamster told me that. When oh, I- okay. As- well, I'm going to tell you again as a mamster. Like- it was <laughs> a play first. I don't, I don't know those things. Yeah. Like- so it, it, so if his first appearance was in 1902 in that Little White Bird story. The play came out two years later in 1904. That was just all about Peter Pan. And, and he wasn't a minor character. Obviously, he is the star of that show. Yeah. yeah. And it's called Peter Pan or the Boy That Wouldn't Grow Up. That's what it was called for a very long time, probably oh. up until a couple decades ago. Like the majority of the story, it was called the Peter Pan or the Boy That Wouldn't Grow Up um, when it was a play. The book oh, is called it. something else. Yeah, the play is called that. So then the book is published in 1911. So that's like, what, seven, seven years later? So it's been a play for seven years. And then it's finally published as a book in 1911. And that's called Peter Pan and Wendy. And it's changed over the years to just Peter Pan. So the book is Peter Pan and Wendy or Peter Pan. Cute. That's really yeah. cute. I guess that's the difference. Like the play would be called Or the Boy That Wouldn't Grow Up. And the book, for the most part, always had Wendy in the title too. Peter Pan and Wendy. I just think that's so interesting because, or I mean, not specifically the title, but the fact that this started off as a play and not the reverse, which is usually what mm-hmm. happens when a narrative extends between the stage and like a novel. Mm-hmm. But also the idea, because like Peter Pan is just written so well yeah in such a unique way like he had such a voice Mm -hmm. james our good friend james yes our good friend james that's just so good scottish friend (laughs) 
it's so impressive to me. That's just so impressive to me that that was like, like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you know more than I do, Sissy. Like if, if he. I am. I'm going to, I'm going to touch on some of that stuff. Okay. Okay. So there will be some information about that. I hope if I cover it all. Then um, I'm just going to ride with it right now. Well, you feel free to interject anytime you want. I'm, I'm just saying I did look up some stuff about why that might be. No. Yeah. 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 Uh, Okay, so the script – okay, yeah, so the book is published in 1911, and then there is a script version that's actually made um, into, like, a book. It's it's the script, though. The script itself was published in 1928. So um, I don't know why you would want to read this script as opposed to the book if they both exist, but – it was put in print in 1928. Well, does that mean then it was like commercialized, like other people could put on the play? Yeah, I think that's probably the main reason because the play before it, it was any kind of book before he wrote Peter Pan and Wendy only existed as a performance for so many years because he constantly rewrote it. He was every time he did the production and he was there for the rehearsals or he would get to know the actors, they would improvise and he would add something or he would discuss something with whoever was playing Peter Pan at the time. And, they would change whatever he was doing. So the play changed almost every time it was produced. So he could never write down a solid version of it. He didn't want to. Uh... He liked changing what Peter's adventures were and what happened to all the Lost Boys at the end. He changed it so many times that he just didn't want to solidify it into one story and write it as a book. Was there ever a version of things where the the Darlings stayed in Neverland? yes there is a version like that and there's also a version okay so let me tell you there's there's an archive of almost not all of them because i think that would be impossible but the majority of jm barry's drafts and notes and letters and things are in a um a rare book and manuscript library in new haven connecticut and i believe that's yale Ah. the the yale library to go see that sometime you guys. i know i really that would be oh so awesome oh my god which awesome. is the majority of where i got all this research from because somebody researched that library they went there oh, and went okay. through all the letters and all of these <clears throat> manuscripts and a lot of these notes are published in the um the annotated peter pan yeah but i should probably just credit her right now maria tartar i believe she's a professor at like harvard Wow. So she was in this library, and that's where I got a lot of this information from. So the Rare Book and Manuscript Library in New Haven, Connecticut. So they have a, there's a folder that he has there from 1904-1905. So that's only a couple of years after the play had been starting to be performed, where there's different versions of the scripts because it changed so often. So there's one ending where Wendy agrees to be Peter's mother forever and just lives with him in Kensington Garden and never goes home. Uh, in Kensington yeah. Garden yeah they go back to London they live in Kensington Garden what yeah it doesn't it's kind of crazy too they like adopt other kids lost kids oh and, my gosh yeah Peter still never grows up Wendy does but she just like takes care of them all in Kensington oh, Gardens so yeah. she doesn't she doesn't freeze in time like he does no I don't know why but I guess she can't it's just she's not from Neverland she's not Peter Pan yeah, she's not Peter Pan. But I mean, the Lost Boys didn't age. Yeah, they do. When they come back, in the version where they come back. No, oh, do. well, they I guess up. if they're in Kensington Gardens, then that makes sense. But I thought, yeah. uh, for a second, I was thinking, it was like, she just stayed with Peter, and then she grew up in Neverland. Like, that doesn't... No, it specifically said that they, they lived in Kensington Gardens. She ah. stayed with him, agreed to be his mother forever, and they live in Kensington Gardens. And that's the end of that play. And then there's also a version where Captain Hook doesn't get eaten by the crocodile in Neverland, 
No but way. He, yeah, but he follows them all back to London. Like, he chases them. Oh, no. Or he's supposed to, in the version that we're familiar with, um, get eaten by the crocodile on the high seas in Neverland. So there's one version where he follows them all back to London, but also the crocodile does. And also the crocodile still eats him in the Kensington <laughs> Gardens. <laughs> While Hook is, like, climbing a tree to spy on everybody, he climbs back down the tree and the crocodile is just there with his mouth open and it's dark at night and he just climbs right into his mouth and, oh my and God. the crocodile oh, eats him. So, creepy. so that's one version of Hook's end in one of the in one of the productions. Oh my god. And that would be around like 1905. 1904-1905 is the folder that all those versions were in. Yeah. Yeah, so the play like changes. There's like 10 years where it's just a play and it ends all different ways and he never wanted to like pick an ending that it would be forever. Yeah. So that's why he didn't print it for such a long time. I feel like that sounds like live theater, like yes. improv or something. But yeah. Well, crazy. it kind of is because he would go to all the rehearsals and they would just talk about stuff like what if he did this or that would be funny if we did this so they would just do it and then he would write a version of the script with it that's so cool yes so he's always been hounded since it came out because it was so popular from almost the weekend it opened and when people would hear about it and kids would learn about it from other kids they wanted to see it but sometimes they couldn't afford it and they wanted a book version of it and since he would refuse to do it there was tons of publishers that were like will you please write a novel about this or just a short story even so we can sell it to the kids that haven't seen your play yet or they just want it, you know, for their libraries. Right. And he wouldn't do it. So other other authors started stepping in and writing, like, versions of the story. Or they would write something, like, somebody named Daniel S. O'Connor. He wrote a Peter Pan picture book in 1907 that sold really well. But it's not his story. So it's like... Uh. He, that's really the only reason that J.M. Barry finally was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to have to write this book because... All these other authors are taking my story and, and changing it how they want to, you know, so yeah, to whatever end they picked, you know, so he was like, okay, I have to uh, finally give in and write a version down, which was published in 1911. So that's all that information. I mean, that's so crazy. That would, that would make, I feel like that would make me so mad. Like, <laughs> like, cause was copyright yeah. like not a thing that would prevent that? I guess not, because there's, like, a lot of books before that he published it. There was, like, three or four that were really popular picture books. And just, like, um, there's one just called, like, A Day with Peter Pan or something like that. Like, they would just make different, like, short stories with his character. Nobody was stopping them. So, yeah. That's so maddening. That's, like, how dare Mm -hmm. you? Right. (laughs) Which is why he finally just wrote it. and. It's so good. The one he wrote, I love it so much, I can't imagine it having any of his different endings or whatever. Yeah. I'm sure it would have yeah. been just as good if it had, because he would have still written it, but I like the version he picked. Because, like, he's, it's not just, he, he didn't just novelize his play. Like, it's not just, like, dialogue and then some prose in the middle that, like, is, like, stage directions made into sentences. Yeah. It's like, it's like he, like... Like, because I, I always think about that whole passage in the beginning about, like, mothers organizing thoughts for her children, like, mm-hmm. and, like, that's how they stay good dreams, and that's how, like, Mrs. Darling found out that Wendy was thinking about Peter and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way that that information would ever been expressed in a play. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that was just what Jan Barry had in his mind and decided to right. grace us with. Like, was like, because, and also this. Yeah, because I was, there was, that was later on in my notes, but because you brought it up now, I'm just going to mark that we're talking about that now. But, sorry, um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, I feel like okay. I'm really messing like, up your that's flow. Near. It's supposed to be a discussion. <laughs> I don't know when it's going to come up. I just wrote down later 
like one of the important story elements of that and why it's so I don't even know what the word is timeless or enjoyable like how whatever it transcends everything is because of his narration style yeah specifically because of that because he uses I wrote down my notes sorry I'm trying not to read it verbatim but he uses like sophisticated adult diction but it's playful and also it's a third person narrator that is not omniscient which is unusual if you're talking in third person you usually know everything that's going to happen in the story or it seems like you do know Uh, he usually only sounds like he partially knows what's going on before it happens yeah it's like he's just he just happens to know what's in the room or something yeah he's such like a playful narrator and he does use adult language so we could still read it right now and we're like this is really good writing but it sounds like he's just guessing kind of what will happen or he says things like um there's a part where he talks about who his favorite character is as the narrator he's like yeah most people like peter pan but um i think my favorite is mrs darling like he like he's heard this story before or something <laughs> like he's not the one telling it that's so, just so just characteristic like, like so iconic yeah i think so especially for that time period there wasn't a lot like that and the 19th century was really the start of like the children's adventure story that's where like mm. Alice Wonderland oh. and him and even like Tom and Huck, all of that is from that time period where it's just like really good writing that's also stories for kids. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah. I w- I'm curious. I wonder if that has anything to do with like like literacy rates or something. Like how like was it becoming more common for just not like the children I of the wealthy. I think it does. Because I didn't, I was going to, because like I said, there's so much information about so many different aspects of this yeah, story sure. that you could talk about it forever. But there was something that I read and I did not write down about how when he was growing up, it was kind of right after the generation of children that had to work in workhouses, mm. like the Dickens era of kids yeah. that didn't <clears throat> get a lot of like um, professional like schooling, like yeah. regulated education. And he was basically that generation right after that that actually did get really good education and writing skills and like were Uh, able to express themselves which is probably that whole generation of authors that wrote all those adventure children's uh, stories it's like they finally caught up to the that they had the language for the ideas that they might have had since they were a kid yeah but they were the first generation to do that which are they're so many different differences but like dickens obviously is a great writer but he took so many more words to say what he was saying right you know what i mean like he didn't have the formal education that i think gene and barry did right yeah that's true i'm trying can i okay i have a question because i remember like how you were i've just been thinking about what you said about the narration about how it's like I think if I'm remembering it correctly, at least one of my teachers would use the term unreliable, like when it's like on Mm -hmm. a third person omniscient uh, narrator and it's either trustworthy or or reliable. Like, Mm -hmm. can you trust what they're saying or not? Yeah. I remember because they were talking about in that in that class that my teacher was talking about that they were talking about Edgar Allan Poe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was like, I know he's American, but like when when exactly did he write? And then I I remembered it's it's in the 1800s. He's mm-hmm. like eight, 19th century, 1800s. So he's definitely before Peter Pan was written, but like he and he's an American. So it's a whole nother story. Mm-hmm. But so I'm wondering, like, because he didn't write children's stories, but he wrote very weird, like characteristic type of stories yeah. where, you're, where you're very like you're very hooked on what's going on. But it's like a horror story. So it's a yeah. story. But I feel like that's part of why 
that has to do with something about why everyone loves these stories so much, like why people remember what they're right. writing more than other writers that wrote in non because they're happening while you're reading it, and right? It's not in past tense, usually. I think that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Answer. Yeah, I think so. I think it's so. it's such a <laughs> unique perspective of like of like <laughs> a, a, a god that doesn't know what's going on or something. It's like someone's just like yeah. It really, it's just like a it's just literally what you said, like a non omniscient. Mm-hmm. but like someone it makes it's it more like, interesting it just is yeah. it's so it's like one one part of why it's so memorable and interesting and lovable but i, I mean also and i feel like i don't know if it if that's like i can't even claim to wonder about this but for most authors but i like i mean in terms of jm barry he was for peter pan and I'm pulling this all from that movie, Finding Neverland. So who the heck knows how far this actually goes for the truth? But wasn't it like, I mean, he told these stories to children before he, yes. he made them into plays. And I think that's the same thing that happened with Lewis Carroll. It's like he told, he made yes. it the story of Alice in Wonderland on a sailboat yeah. for a five-year-old and then went and wrote it down. So it's like, maybe that's why, how that story started running in their minds. It's like, you're, you're, you're talking to a, a child to with it and in, in a lot of my research they kept comparing it to alice in wonderland and how they were told to kids first and that's yeah. why they've evolved into so many different versions at least for peter pan because he did change it so often while talking to the boys who are i'll, I'll bring them up later but they're like there's five boys that he adopted to the, yeah. to the podcast community he adopted <laughs> five boys and these yeah. stories were largely originated by him telling stories to those kids which is like how Mary said the same thing as like Lewis Carroll told it to a girl named Alice. Right. Just to keep her entertained yeah. while they were like on a picnic. So it's like, yes. and then, then you go writing down, but then it's like when you go to write it down, all of the language that you have in your vocabulary, I feel like then you have a moment to actually think about like how you're going to put it down onto words and it comes out so creatively. But because yeah, you're still like thinking how would I describe of, that? Yeah. Because you just, because also you probably remember what parts of that story that you just told caught your that child's interest the most. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like you already played it against an audience and saw what how it was reacted to. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, they really liked the part about the ca- caterpillar. Yeah. Like, oh and, man, and they laughed know, at the like, stars. What questions they would ask? Well, like, well, yeah. then what happened to so and so? And like, that's how he read. That's how he made the story up. Because for kids, at least, that's why they'd be interested in it. Because he was pretty much writing it off a, a kid's perspective off yeah. of what they asked him or what happened next or something like that you know yeah that's okay let me see if i lost my spot Thank sorry, you, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um oh, okay i was gonna talk a little bit about the statue of peter pan oh, in Kensington Gardens. oh yes do. so the plans were developed i guess i should have talked about the boys earlier maybe i should skip around i did not write this in a good order I <laughs> um like you said, like a lot, most people already know the, the story. We're kind yeah. of learning things we didn't already know about. That's true. Okay. So the statue, which most people know exists in London, in Kensington Gardens, there's a statue of Peter Pan um, cast in bronze. And it the plans were developed in 1906. So this would be like between the play's success and the book being published. So the book has still not been published. And everyone just loves it based off the play at this point. Wow. Um, so he started developing the plan. And he wanted to base it off of photos he took of Michael. He's one of the, I think he's the second to youngest boy. Michael, I can never say their name properly. The last name is Davies, but it looks like Llewellyn Davies. It's like, oh. it starts with L-L-E-W-E-L-Y-N. Llewellyn? Llewellyn? Well, maybe I'm going to say this wrong. 
Well, th- maybe it's like Lloyd, how that's usually spelled with two L's, but you only hear it as one. Yeah, but I still don't know how to say it even if it was just one L. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't so I'll say Llewellyn. I'm sure that's wrong. I'm sorry to anybody that's offended by that pronunciation. So he took photos of the six-year-old. He was six at the time, Michael Llewellyn Davies, in a Peter Pan costume. They were playing dress up in the park. So he had like pictures of him. And he wanted to commission the statue to be based off of his pictures of Peter Pan, but looking like Michael. He's a little boy. And um, they didn't do it at the time. So then six years later, at that time, all the boys still, they had their parents. Um, Their dad's name is Arthur and their mom is Sylvia. Uh, And six years after that photo was taken, um, Barry was now the adoptive father of those five boys. He was friends with their parents first and they left him custody of the boys. So he, he's their dad. And then he commissioned, um, cause a lot of stuff went on. They just didn't get the statue made when he thought he was going to make it in 1906. So he finally commissioned, um, a famous sculptor named George Frumpton. <laughs> <laughs> I like his name. Frumpton. <laughs> so he commissions this famous British sculptor named George Frumpton and he wants him to make him, um, a Peter Pan statue based on this photo of Michael. But the guy didn't use the photo of Michael. He used two other little boy models. So the statue really looks nothing like Michael at all. Like I saw the picture of Michael and he's this cute little chubby boy. He's got this little round face. He's dressed in a Peter Pan costume. He's like pointing and he he looks really cute, but the statue is cute still, but it doesn't look like him at all. Like the boy is thinner. He doesn't have like around cheeks and stuff. So I don't know why he used two different models and, um, apparently Jan Barry was always really upset that it did not look like his son. Oh, <laughs> I bet that oh. would be. Yeah. I mean, he liked the statue, but he, he was always kind of upset that it didn't look like Michael. He said, it, there's a quote that he said, it didn't look mischievous enough. You couldn't see the devil in Peter like you could in Michael. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so he said he looked, yeah, he looked too peaceful or something. <laughs> but whatever. They still use the statue because it was still a beautiful statue made by this famous sculptor. So... That came out in. Since yeah. when did that statue come out? It came out on May first, nineteen twelve. Okay, so on May first, nineteen ninety twelve, which I don't know if I did this math correctly, but I think that's like one hundred and seven years ago because it's twenty nineteen now. Right. Nineteen twelve. I'm gonna. I'm gonna over think. Yeah, I think it was about one hundred and seven years ago, like yeah. this week. Wow. It was on May first. Wow. Um. It, it was installed overnight so that nobody saw them putting it in. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And then um, the day that it was debuted in the morning was uh, the same day that J.M. Barry had published a note in the Times paper. I'm just going to read you the quote. This is my book. It's so cool. So that same day, James Barry placed this announcement in the Times. There is a surprise in store for the children who go to Kensington Gardens to feed the ducks in the Serpentine this morning. Down by the Little Bay on the southwestern side of the Tale of the Serpentine, they will find a Mayday gift by Mr. J.M. Barry, a figure of Peter Pan blowing his pipe. On the stump of a tree, with fairies and mice and squirrels all around, it is the work of Sir Jarge Frumpton, and the bronze figure of the boy who would never grow up is delightfully conceived. Oh my god, so cute is that? So magical. Yeah, so when they read that, pretty much everybody went on a scavenger hunt to find the statue. Because it's not that big and it's pretty hidden from what I understand, like behind lots of shrubs and trees and it's down by the pond where he said it is, but he didn't really give an exact point. Yeah. Um, so everybody went looking for it that morning when they saw it and they were really excited when they found him. That must have been so freaking magical That's for the first so person cool. who actually did find it. Yeah. Like, can you imagine just being like, oh, 
oh, oh yeah because it wasn't there the day before they put it in overnight oh my god secretive and then just like wrote a little note in paper like oh this is there go find it um <laughs> so cute and i was looking at the picture of it because i always like kind of know in my head an idea of what he looks like like the peter pan statue but i didn't yeah. realize like the base that he's on like how he said there's squirrels and stuff on it so i wanted to see it and there's like a big picture of it in the back of this book and there's fairies and like animals what? like in the base I yeah, it's so, looking it's it up so cute. Here. Yeah, there's like, I don't, I mean, I could assume it's Tinkerbell. Why wouldn't it be Tinkerbell? But it could be another fairy, but there's a fairy in the base. They're like molded into, kind of looks like a tree stump. You, you know, kind of like how the animal, the oh life tree looks, that animal kingdom? Yeah. Like with things carved into it. Yeah. That's kind of what it looks like, but with like nature characters and fairies. And then yeah. Peter Pan's right at the top of it. Okay, I'm looking at this, I'm not going to lie, those fairies kind of look evil. They look evil? Well, they could be. Oh, there's no yeah, fairies in Neverland. Uh, that's true. That's true. Maybe that was intentional. Yeah, probably was. I'm sure, it was. Yeah, I see lots of squirrels. The bunny. Yeah, I see, I see a couple two bunnies. fairies. Yeah, I see some squirrels. I see a bunny. I can't see the other side of it though. There might be more stuff on the other side. It's amazing, and it's like over a hundred years old. Just yeah, like, and I didn't. I didn't know. I like just kind of thought he was just um on a boring little base or just like by himself. I didn't yeah, know. I thought that know other that. stuff was carved into there. It's crazy. I mean, it, the girl that's like standing pretty like is that a fairy that's like to his on Peter's right? I guess if you if you are Peter, down yeah, below him on his right. That's, I think she's a fairy. She has wings. She just looks kind of big, like comparatively to like the, yeah. But yeah, I, they're I, like the same size as the animals, really. Yeah. But I mean, that's a statue version. It's not like super accurate or anything. I just was wondering if that was supposed to be Wendy, but it's not. No, I think fairy. she has wings. Yeah. She's gotta be a fairy. Anyways. So why did Jay and Barry have to adopt the boys? I know that their mother died. Did their father also die? Yeah, their father died of cancer first, and then their mother died two years later. Okay. But Jay and Barry knew both of them. Yes, he befriended both of the parents. He did meet Sylvia first, um, but he became good friends with both of them. All of his letters and everything that's in that library at Yale. There's, like, tons of letters between him and the father and the mother. And the boys. There's just, like, all of their correspondence is there. Gotcha. And they were just really good friends. Um, but there was lots of problems that came out of that later. Most The, the bottom line of this is because I don't really want to think, and I know that people think that Mikey might be creepy because of his relationship with the boys and their parents and stuff. Some people, not even people. There was, like, one biographer when I went through this. That kind of made that accusation that maybe he was creepy and he befriended the parents to get to the boys because he was mm-hmm. weird. Right. And they said that there's basically there's one person that followed this theory and never found any proof through all of their research of trying to prove this. All they really kept running into was proof for the opposite. And anybody yeah. else that's ever um, researched him has found completely the opposite. They're like, he's just... They just became friends. This is just a thing yeah. that happened. <laughs> he, met these, he met these people. They had these really wonderful children that he loved to tell stories to. Um, the parents trusted them, and the extended family of the parents were okay with that decision. They were like, they ha- she did have a mother, and she was granted dual um, custody. Yes, of the kids, but it was he was primarily their caretaker. She kind of just checked in on them sometimes. And all of the extended family, like, trusted him. They knew that he loved the boys. The boys loved him. It was, it was all fine. So I just and I'm sure that, that there's five, if there was five children, like, 
if something awful happened, one of them, like, it wouldn't have been five out of five remained silent. I don't know. That just seems yeah. like... It, it just does. everyone. It's always you're always looking for, like a, because he, they're just human nature, I guess. They yeah. Just find something wrong because they, they wrong. know that there is so much evil in the world. They might assume that there might have been a bad situation there, but it, it's just there's not. I just yeah. don't think there is. There's so much research to prove otherwise. There's just not. You just have to accept that he's a magical, wonderful writer who adapted five boys. Right. That's, that's in this case, that's what happened. <laughs> um, so Arthur and Sylvia are their parents. There was later. There's, there is one of the boys, the boys near George, John, Peter, Michael, and Nico. Nico is short for Nicholas. They call him Nico. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah. So Peter is the third boy, and that's where Peter Pan's name comes from. Obviously, it was inspired by Peter. But um, his character is mostly based on Michael, which is why like the, he wanted to use the pictures of Michael that they took at the park that day um, for the statue. But Peter later grew up and kind of he didn't like that he was associated with being Peter Pan. He did not like that. Um, he just grew up like having everyone tell him like, Oh, this is the real life Peter Pan. And it kind of drove him a little bit crazy. Um, so he did research, which a lot of um, there, there's a big file at that same library called the morgue. Um, and he, that's all Peter's research on his parents and J.M. Barry to prove that nothing weird was going on. Like, no, really. That's all that it's all the file is. Yeah, he never really? really wrote a book about it or anything. He just collected all this stuff and he even wrote to he had a nanny because Jam Barry hired nannies for the kids because when he had to work and stuff. Right. And he wrote letters to his nanny asking, like, do you remember when my father like hired you? What was going on? Or were my parents alive? Or like what were the conversations with my parents or whatever? And everything he ran into was that they were just really good friends. And like he has all their letters and stuff, but it, it he kind of went crazy um, accumulating all this research. He made it like his job to figure out how how this happened. Like how we're <laughs> still trying to figure out like how did this guy, you know, adopt five kids of two parents that were not his? And he was married at the time, but that he had a very estranged marriage and it was really weird. He met his wife like in their thirties, and she was an actress in one of his plays, and he never really liked her. They went on oh. dates and like she pressured him to get married because it was just the expected thing to do. She was in her thirties. They both were. And, um, yeah, they, so they got married and he got, he, they got engaged and then he went to go tell his mom who I believe was still in Scotland because he's from Scotland, um, that he got engaged and he so didn't want to get married and was so like tortured about it. He got oh. really sick while he was there oh, to no. go tell his mom that he got engaged to this lady. So then Mary, who was his uh, fiance, flew, or not flew out there, yeah. They flew, because they had planes. <laughs> um, however, she got there, took a boat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, traveled. <laughs> yeah, she traveled there to take care of him and, like, help nurse him back to health. And when, when he got better, they set a wedding date, because he was, like, thankful that she helped save his <laughs> life. But he still didn't really want to marry her. Oh, so no. it was just not a very good relationship. Oh, jeez. It, it was always weird. They said... They, they don't even think that they consummated the marriage. The, they had a weird honeymoon. It oh, was just very strange. He might Eventually have just it not, fell apart. He just might have never should have married like anyone. Like no, maybe I he just was so. like I, not I a soul. So. He just, he, and he had like a, in some of his letters or his journal, he had a reoccurring nightmare of getting married. He said he really wanted to remain a bachelor his whole life. But yeah. Poor, so, poor Jan Barry. He just sounds like he was Peter Pan. He's like really he shouldn't. Stressed out. Yeah, he really basically. was. Like <laughs> he wasn't ever supposed to be with anyone. No, <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> yeah, so he forced himself to do that, I guess, for society. 
but it didn't work out for him or Mary, marriage-wise. Jeez. Um, they did, but when Peter was researching um, about his parents' relationship and Mr. Barry, he <laughs> found... Um... But so did him <laughs> and his wife, Mary, get divorced? Or yeah, did they, they did. They did, okay. eventually, yeah. Yeah. Um, which was quite a scandal of the time. Oh, I'm sure. Especially if he was high profile after the fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So when Peter was looking up more information about their relationship, he found um, his dad's personal journal when he he thought that maybe uh, Jay and Barry was in love with his mom, and he's like, he, yeah, because uh, they were so close. He just had some theories, and everybody was always you know pressuring him about that. Like, right. well, was he in love with your mom? Um, so he was trying to find an answer to that and he could only ever find nice things that his dad wrote to Jan Barry and vice versa. And in his dad's personal journal, which, um, he would not have seen Jan Barry. Right. Right. He, he wrote that, um, how generous and, and what a good friend he was. And he said, the quote is that it would be interesting to have a list of all the impoverished authors and their families who JMB helped out of his own pocket at one time or another. Oh, it's just, he just knew that he was a good he's guy a, yeah he's yeah. just a good man yeah he said that he'd be interested to see a list of everyone he'd ever helped oh okay so he met sylvia he met sylvia first of the two parents at a high falutin tea party well <laughs> and he wrote that he was overwhelmed by her beauty and was intrigued by the way that she put aside various sweets that were handed around and secreted them away they were for peter and michael she was like oh. hiding oh. treats at the party that they were handing out like in her oh. handbag and stuff oh to bring home for her, her littlest boys so that's why he came up to her and was like what are you doing so that's how they became friends <laughs> oh my gosh that's so cute oh so yeah. she just might have just been like it almost sounds like if they had met as children or something they just would have been like good like tomboy friends yeah, or something and, but then they met close. as adults instead yeah it's and like, like he met her first but then she introduced him to her husband he was around there like this is my husband arthur and they just all became friends I don't think there's anything weird by that. I feel like it's such a it's such a sensitive thing to think of. But that's also something because that's really... Because people are really... so weird now and so many things yeah, are coming out exactly. about things that we didn't know about before. And it, so that's where everyone's brain goes. And I think it's more important to be hypersensitive than to be opposite. Because that's that'll be more preventive. Be yeah. yeah, you want to be safe. But I think there is a danger. And that, this just, I think, is like full, like what you have to do for all kind of like world literature and anything with a historical context. It's like, we're, like we as English majors... By certain teachers, we're, we're have to rip it apart. But I remember specifically, we had a world, um, me and Jesse at FAU had a world literature professor, Professor McGuirk, solid, solid Professor McGuirk. But she, I remember her saying, like, you have to be aware that you're not, when you, when you do critiques and you're researching or you're looking into topics of, like, anything beyond, like, 100 years before you or even, even, like, closer to your time date, you can't criticize behavior outside of your own country outside of your own time with your own modern perspective she's like the instance the instant you do that you you are lying about the situation because you you can't have a first person context for anything that you're reading she's like so you have to you have to you have to evaluate events as in reference to the events that were also happening at the same time if that makes sense so it's just like it's just you can't it's like you can't look at eastern literature with a western perspective and think like well that's weird it's like well it's not weird in the east so why are you <laughs> like so i think it's just i don't know it's like it's easy for us to say something like like well it was just 
how did a non-relative adopt five five, yeah Yeah. five boys but it's like well you don't know their lives it's but it sounds like everyone else did in their lives or like well he was their best friend and he had the the love and the resources to take care of them so that's who got them the rest of their family wanted to they even like the rest of the extended family was like we don't even have the resources to take care of five kids we have our own kids and like they're fine where they are nobody was worried about the situation right so i mean and they did have their grandmother who was yeah who would come check on them i think that's just yeah that's my real rant about that because mm-hmm. I, I think I, I get personally offended because it's like the same it's I feel like it's the same kind of people who are like well Shakespeare can't have written what he wrote because he was a peasant it's like look at the context of what where it, no like he wasn't a peasant yeah. first of all number one number two even peasants had a better third grade education than we do as high schoolers so like get off right horse. I don't know I don't know no, that thing you're completely of, right Mary yeah you're completely so, right as an English, this is a, as a, this English is a major pet peeve of mine <laughs> yeah like, it's very like um hypocritical like very judgmental yeah yes. it's like the same people yeah. who say like aliens had to build the pyramids because they don't think humans can do it it's like right. why do you always have to take away like the values and you of weren't something? there to see how it was done with your right. eyeballs and you think it couldn't have been done that's because right. it doesn't make sense to you because that situation doesn't think you you couldn't have taken care of five boys who weren't your biological ones or no one else could yeah like kind of thing that's like well, and you knew them all since they were very little like right. he was friends yeah. with their parents and they were still with their parents for like 10 years before right. their parents passed away. I mean, he was like, like their, he was their uncle. It's not like, yeah. it's, it's not like unusual. Yep. Did, did the, neither of the, of the um, boys' parents have any other relatives that they would get passed down to naturally? Like brothers or like uncles or aunts, like or grandparents? They, did have, they had uncles and aunts, but um, they still just them. her grandmother would probably have taken them if uh, he couldn't take them, but he wanted he wanted them. Yeah. So like Sylvia requested that he take them, and she said yeah. that she would leave joint custody with her mom if they were both okay with that, and they both said they were okay with that. Yeah. Before she and... died, because her husband died first. Um, it's so sad that both of them died, sad? though. Like, how tragic is that? Like, he, this guy who 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 was having <laughs> he found two best friends in the world, and yeah. then they both died. But I think it all just. I think it's. I mean, in my opinion, that was, like, all divine interactions that just yeah. happened, you know, for those kids. Like, right. they have two <clears throat> loving, wonderful parents that were not going to live long enough to take care of them all. Right. And they meet yeah. this really rich, successful, caring writer who loves their whole family. Like, I just think it worked out for the best. How it could, as yeah. sad as it How was, it that their parents that. die. It totally seems that way to me as well. Yeah, like, I think That's so. really purposeful. And he wouldn't have been able to create this story that's so important that helped so many people, like, as far as, like, the, the children's hospital and all that stuff yeah like, you made this whole thing based off your interactions and playing with these little boys and telling them these stories when they're parents like you know it's all very important it is and then i mean i don't know if this sounds silly but then like disney obviously made their own Even version more of, of it an impact with it yeah it made more of an impact i mean as many people mm-hmm. as peter pan's lives have touched that's all jm barry Mm-hmm. which wouldn't have happened without those kids so i just feel like it and their parents and really spring yeah it couldn't have happened oh. without their parents either absolutely 100 percent. um on that note about the children's hospital i know mary yeah. looked that up recently didn't you you looked up yes. something about the copyright but yes. i have what i found about it said that uh the peter pan image and likeness are protected by the great ormond street hospital for children which jm barry willed the rights to the play and the novel and then 
the copyright was amended in 1988 because it was about to expire. So they amended it to extend. Oh, nice. They're just going to keep extending it every time it gets nice. It comes up in court. They just extend it to keep the rights for the children's hospital. So he put that in his will. And so anybody that's used it legally, like Disney or whatever, they would probably just have to pay a bunch of money to the children's hospital. Yeah. Which is great. If they have to pay a bunch of money to somewhere, might as well go there. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. He was actually one of the uh, few writers of his time that was really wealthy for being during his life. But he made most of his money off of his plays before Peter Pan. He was already wealthy by the time he made Peter Pan. And then he willed all that. And while he was alive, he also gave all the proceeds to the children's hospital. So it's kind of amazing that he was still as wealthy as he was. Right. Without like his (laughs) biggest known work having keep any of that money he didn't so wow that's amazing to me that's incredible that's what you do when you have that kind of money it's like okay Mm -hmm. then i'll just give yeah half of it to a hospital (laughs) yeah the reason that all of that research and all of his papers are in um in new haven here in the united states is because he came over in 1914 on a trip in uh, world war one in effort to raise money for the war so he gave like all his stuff and did um speeches and Peter Pan productions and stuff that were all for charity to raise money for the war. So that's why we have a bunch of his stuff here. Wow. He brought all his work with him in 1914 to America. My main man, James. Mr. James, coming through, coming through <laughs> for the war <laughs> effort. I think that's pretty much all I wrote down for, for historical stuff. There's more stuff, but you know, I can't, I can't do it all in one day, guys. I can't. No, my gosh. I'm sure you could have information. It's amazing, though, that she had five boys. Not one of them yeah. was girl. <laughs> Not no. one of them was it was all boys. Yeah. Five individual boys. I can't remember which boys. one of them, but one of them grew up to be a publisher. And I can't remember which oh, really? one. really? That's cool. I wonder, I hope they all grew up well, like, with. They did and they didn't. Oh. Yeah, I don't they have, like, tragic stories. Yeah, some of them they do. Are. I, mean, I believe Nico might have lived to be the longest. He was the baby. He lived to be 77. The oldest one lived to be 77. And then George was the oldest, and he was pretty much like a star kid. He was a star athlete, student, everything, and he volunteered to go be an officer in World War at 21, like right after he had graduated. Oh, oh, and man. he died. At the, oh. Yeah, he died in the war. Oh, so that was man. super sad. He was only 21. No. I know. And um, John, he, no, Peter's the one that went crazy looking up all the research. So Peter did not die very young. I think he died in his 60s, which is still young-ish. Like, you don't yeah, want to die in your 60s. No. But um, he didn't die like a tragic death. Um, John, he drowned, like, in college. Oh, my God. Like, was, that was like a freak accident. And then the other ones lived to be, like, in their 60s and 70s. So I don't know which one was a freak, man. <laughs> I know. It was really, really sad. And then... Uh, I believe that was Michael, Michael that died because Michael is who the character of Peter Pan is based on. And there mm. was a quote that I read that um, after he passed away, J.M. Barry said he felt like that was the end of his life, like the end of J.M. Barry's life. Oh. He still lived another like 10 years after that. But once that happened, he was just so sad. But how did Michael oh, die, though? Even... I'm sorry. How... He drowned. Oh, oh, I thought that was the he drowned. Point. Oh, my gosh. So, um, that's yeah. so sad. I know. That's so sad. That was really sad. Oh, so, like, yeah. they had good childhoods. Yeah. But they had tragic things happen to them later. Yeah, Nico lived fine. He lived. One of them went crazy and jumped in front of a train, and I believe that was John. So he did not. Jeez. Yeah, that was That's... sad. All of them have something sad going on. They do, other than the publisher. and. But, like, I mean, how much, when did, do you know when J.M. Barry died? Like, the year? 
Oh, no, he died in his 60s. It was 1937. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. James Matthew Barry. James Matthew Barry. That's a very fancy name. It is. It Mr. Is. J.M. Let <laughs> me just look up which one of these was a publisher so I can just... Yeah, I was trying to know. Google it, but I still haven't found it. It's all, like, information about all of them, but I can't find mm-hmm. one. I did have a piece of um, information that is very... Um, irrelevant to the importance of the movie I mean of the book but it Mm -hmm. is just something I recently read so then when we talked about doing Peter Pan I was like I'm just going to bring that up real quick Mm -hmm. that there is a movie that is going to come out I think next year it just says it's in post-production right now but it's starring Angelina Jolie and it's a movie called Come Away and it's about her and it's another famous actor but I'm not sure how to pronounce his name properly it's like um David Oyelowo. I'm not sure how to say his last name. It's very like, I'm butchering it, but he's like a famous actor. But they're the parents of both Peter Pan and Alice from Alice in Wonderland. What? And I just think what? that's so strange, but I also really want to know what the story is, but I don't know what, I don't know how that makes us, I don't understand it. I don't know what that means. But it, they're the parents of both Peter and Alice. And it's both- a fiction. It, right. It's a fiction. Okay. But I mean, like, because I can't be. So, do they lose both no. their children at the same time or something? Like, yes. obviously, Peter Pan had to go to Neverland and Alice went down a hole. And I mean, she came back, or supposedly would never went in the first place, right? Depending on what you're, how you read that. But, yeah, like, never. Oh, like, that's crazy. I think that is such a weird storyline. Like, why did neither of them have anything to do with each other? They're just both British. Both happen to be small children. <laughs> put them together. Like, what does that mean? I don't know how that's going. That's so weird. Out. Yeah, but she's like understand. the mom, so I, I feel like I would. It would. Th- you would think it'd be a really good movie. General things about it, but I think that cannot be a good movie. Like, what is that? No, I don't like the storyline <laughs> at all. That sounds too weird. No, that's what I want to know. Well, well, Peter is the publisher. Peter became the publisher just so we all know oh, okay peter Llewellyn davies became a publisher and he is the one that also later i couldn't remember if i had this fact wrong in my brain or not but i just found it um he uh published mary poppins no way yeah oh his publishing house yeah and she um the author of mary poppins what's her name pl travers right yes 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 she was largely influenced by peter pan so she really just oh my gosh that's so the cool. fact that his adopted son would want to publish a book that's so cool yes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. indeed amazing indeed okay so real quick after all that stuff i'm gonna have to cut out i'm really sorry about this we <laughs> sorry. Are, just go over some um important story elements of peter pan yeah i would love just to. a few of them yes um flight obviously a big one Flying top, is top very notch. important. Yes. And when you think of Peter Pan, you always remember that, right? Oh, Flying yeah. Through the London sky and Peter Pan can fly. That's right. Um, flying apparently did not really exist in books for children, children flying, until after <laughs> Peter Pan. Before that, there was some adults flying, um, like on magic carpets in A Thousand and One Nights, but never mm. children. Children don't fly. Until Peter Pan. <laughs> Especially like British. It's very not safe. Modern day British. Yes. Children, children just don't fly. Children don't fly. <laughs> and then after Peter Pan, um, they fly in lots of books. There's there's kids that fly. Which I don't really recall, but they said that they fly on the back of Aslan in Narnia. Does Aslan fly? I can't Do remember, remember that? that. He does. He, he does. does. Okay. Yeah. 
I think it's when he's recreating it. Hmm. Narnia. There's a point where he has to recreate it, I think. So somebody's on his back. That's a child when he's flying. So they're yeah. flying. Um, and oh, wait, no, no. Flies. I know who it is. It's, it's who? Sorry. It's, it's um, the two girls. They jump on his back when... Susan in... and Lucy? Lucy and Susan. Oh. They get, they get on his back and he flies. Yeah, okay, man. That, hmm. is, that was such a hard back in back in the mind memory i did not you did it, Mary. remember you that did it. at all because i don't re- i don't think i read that um that narnia they're flying in narnia dorothy is flying in a house through kansas and oz and um lots of kids fly now up until like harry potter kids on broomsticks before oh yeah that, children were not flying there would be witches or adults like flying carpets like i said but kids don't do that until after peter pan that's amazing yeah. Because I guess, too, probably before, I mean, Peter Pan, a child flies, and it's it's a kind magic. Mm-hmm. I think if you thought of it in real terms, it would be, like... Scary. Scary, yeah. And really it would be, evil. like, yeah. the Salem witch trials. They saw her levitate. Like, that's a mm-hmm. threat. That's not a... Right, oh, and she like flew out thing. the window. It was magical. It was, like... Right. That, that wouldn't have a kind connotation like he made yeah. he made that something no nice. it's like introduced as like something fun and like freeing that they want to do yeah they like want to learn how to fly did you ever have a flying dream i never did but oh, i heard yeah. that that's supposed to be yeah. a common thing yeah i've had a couple they're really fun really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. i really want one <laughs> <laughs> like yeah but it is it's like a, it's not a scary dream at least mine weren't were yours yeah. jess no, 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 it was, it was always fun. like fun. You're like, yeah. oh, this is fun. I think yeah. that sounds really fun. I never had that dream. <laughs> I hope that you do. You probably didn't. You just don't remember it. Yeah. I hope you have one you remember. I hope so. I flew over. I flew over the swimming pool. <laughs> in my dream. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> and like everybody else was down at the pool, and I was like flying. <laughs> <laughs> just like around inside the tiny porch, like in the screened in area. Oh, it, actually, it wasn't. It wasn't the our, our Florida one. It was New Jersey. Oh, it was like, God. like yeah, we used to have like parties out there on the deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was flying over. That it. makes a lot and more sense. I was like picturing you like thinking you're inside like that little screen. No, and there I'm, was like, a screen. How did that make sense? How did you just make some laughs? <laughs> I mean, it's a dream. I could have made it work somehow. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's very true. So <laughs> I think that in general flight is normally symbolic of like freedom and yeah, going against true. society right i i think yeah totally in most stories freedom yeah I would which say. is peter that's what peter does he doesn't want to grow up that's so yeah. cool yeah. yeah i'm trying really to cool. think i'm sure it exists somewhere i'm i'm sure it has to but all i can think of is like when someone is flying it's like it's never to like do a bad thing. It's like I'm gonna fly into that bank and rob it. It's like that never pops no. up in any story. No. It's always like let's fly to get away from the danger, or like let's fly yeah. to go have some fun. It's like it's always the good guy doing it. It's never like and then the bad guy flew in. <laughs> it's like no, there's there's never, just like there's the wicked like... witch of the west. Like yeah, oh, that's true. Bad. That's true. And yeah. I feel like maybe there are some supervillains that do, but for the most part, all the ones I can think of are the superheroes, like Superman. Yeah. And... Yeah, like, that's true. I didn't even Iron think about Man it. Flies, like you know, they, superheroes, they jetpacks, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But like the golden age of comics, like when that when those kind of heroes are coming oh, yeah. out, that was like way after, not way after, but like decades after Peter Pan. Yeah. So I, I guess you could still say they took up that tradition. Like once he mm-hmm. normalized it and made it a good thing. But again, they're adults again. 
Yeah, that's true. That's, that's true. That's true. So in the time that he wrote it, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, children don't like, fly before they marriage. They're, children... they're not allowed to. No flying. <laughs> children don't fly. <laughs> it's like nonsense um, or something like, yeah, in, no. in the British world. It's like nonsense. Yeah, and that was a big, a huge thing for them to figure out the mechanics of for his play too. They're all like, oh, "Gonna do what?" Like you have some flying children, <laughs> flying. The children need to fly. Peter Pan needs to fly. Like they had to like come up with all this rigging and stuff because they'd never oh done that gosh. before. Oh my gosh! And like Tinkerbell was like a light. Yeah, at first oh. she was just a, like a, a lamp, like a flicker. Yeah, with oh. a mirror, a mirror trick. That's okay. So and they were just like twinkle bells for her talking. Oh, that's cute. That's so that's cute. So cute. I like how Peter understands it. <laughs> yeah. So I understand the I feel like I didn't bells. talk a lot about Tinkerbell, and I'm sorry to all those Tinkerbell fans out there. I love Tinkerbell too, but oh, there was just too. so much other information to go over about the history. Yeah, of it. I almost like, feel like I we need to do another Tinkerbell. another episode just of the story itself of Peter Pan because we yeah, like went off so too. much on like the history. Yeah, there's just so much there you could so talk about, and there's every single aspect of the story too goes out to another thing. I'm like, oh, and this is because this story he did, yeah, or this person, you know, like everything. There's just so much that goes into it because he basically wrote the story for like 15 years. Either, like, just telling yeah. a story or writing a play version or the book, you know? Like, there's so much evolution of the story. That yeah. It's just such so a – it's so impressive. It's, so it's just so impressive. Yeah. So, we can't go over it in one podcast. I just can't do it justice. I don't think you have to. You do I don't think I have to either. As, as you want. Yeah, that's true. That's so true. Um, another, <laughs> another important element of the story, which isn't a lot of stories, but – you know, when you think of Peter Pan, you think about eternal youth. He does not grow up. You right. know, like that's, he flies and he does not grow up. Those are like the two things everyone will remember about him usually. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. That's what people say about Peter Pan. Like, what are you, Peter Pan? You can't ever grow up. Right. Like, feel like right. Like, Whatever the Peter Pan syndrome. Yeah. 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 Right. So I did, I wrote a little bit of his, that, that narration that we put in before, which made more sense for when, when we were talking about it. But I remember when I was reading about it, it basically is important that Peter, he he never grows up. He's eternal, but also because he is, when you're reading the book, it makes you think about death a lot as well. That they bring that up a lot. I feel like his immortality mm-hmm. also makes you think about mortality. Mortality, yeah. Like Wendy, her brothers. Like you realize how fragile life is because he can live forever. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, definitely. yeah. It's such a stark know, contrast. Yeah. I feel like the the point that they make about him living forever just also just makes you and know, it's like, interesting too how fragile humanity is from what I remember, it seems like the things that they the way that they describe his youth is in like the small details it's yeah. like how they always he always several times mentions his perfectly straight white baby teeth, and it's like he yes. ought to have all of his baby teeth, yeah like or that like it was the boys can fit into a tree trunk it's like it's like it's almost like he sizes them against the world Mm -hmm. and that's how you are constantly reminded that they're children it's never Mm -hmm. like and that's why you still don't know like really peter pan's age even though he's usually depicted as like a 12 year old except his statue is like a six-year-old but then if he has all his baby teeth that probably means he's under 10 but Mm -hmm. wendy is supposed to be i think close to his age and she's so like quote unquote about to become a woman or about to move out of the nursery old enough right. to do that so it's a, it's a kind of weird conflicting information that like it's it's interesting like the sense of like the immortality that he gives to peter pan yeah because it's kind like, of vague what's his exact yeah. age you'll never know because he's yeah. forever you don't know you don't pinpoint it which is kind of makes it that much more powerful 
It's like you mm-hmm. just everyone instinctively knows who Peter Pan is, mm-hmm. or like what he's supposed to look like, or what, what, but without like that really that much detail. Even it's just yeah. detail given once is never like really spoken about again. Besides, like I always remember because I think they say it more than once, like his baby teeth. It's like he, yeah. when you smile, you see his baby teeth. It's like that's what Mrs. Darling noticed about him, and that's like what the fairies Can I noted about you him. A question, ma'am, sir. Mm-hmm. Do you think that he that was important to Jam Barry because of like his relationship with the parents and like that they died like like did he write Peter Pan before they died or was yes. it after they died yeah before they died yeah they were alive they saw it so like I just wonder like what you thought maybe his inspiration was for that just like everything going on in his life maybe like that was just something important to him like the fragility of life and like yes there of- is a see like again i wish i had written down everything but there was another quote i read that he said that like the second that a person dies that you love they become like an enigma in your mind and they're like gonna be there forever they mm. live on forever the second that they die in your brain so like that's kind of a concept he wanted to transfer on to peter and to neverland like even though and to the boys that if your parents aren't here they're still with you you know yeah. like there's a memory totally. of them is forever like yeah and that is a lot of Peter Pan, his character comes from that idea. But he said, he said that like an exact quote, like of what you just said of like, like the fragility of life or just like the importance of, yeah. Like the importance of knowing that there is something that a part of you that is eternal. Uh huh. People will die. It's like you're sick and dying. Yeah. Like it was important. In a sense, the ending that he did choose after going through so many years of doing various endings, the one that he kind of, Maybe if he wasn't like 100% happy with it being a permanent ending, it's the one he was most happy with, is that Mm -hmm. he gave the children back to their mother and then like included the Lost Boys in that deal. You know what I mean? It's almost like... Yeah. it's. it's, I think it's the happiest ending version. Yeah. But it's also kind of like, it's the happiest ending version in the long run for the kids. Like like maybe they're not so happy when it happens and that they leave Neverland or anything, yeah. but like they grow up to live full lives. And like in retrospect, you can see that. Right. It also, but that it's, it's okay to grow up. Right. But it's like in, it's almost like in that instance, in the instance of it happening, the person who succeeds the most is like Mrs. Darling. Like she yes. is like the one who has the happiest ending. Yeah. In the present time of the book, like Peter Pan's not happy really. And Wendy, I'm sure no. is not happy. And like, but like, again, in retrospect, Peter Pan's fine. Cause he, he always has, Wendy's like descendants to take care of him and Lost Boys grow up and they're fine and like they all are okay but so like the only one who's 100% like really gets everything she needed and wanted yeah is the mother yeah or and the father really like the parents are okay yeah yeah so it's kind of probably because he loved Arthur and Sylvia yeah it's like he didn't take the it's like no it's okay you he wants to keep the family your kids come back yeah the family gets back together and then mm-hmm. you also have all these other new kids like congratulations i gave you seven more boys <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> right you get more kids to love there you go <laughs> yeah also like th- bigger families that were more common like back then i feel mm-hmm. like up until like recently i feel like bigger families and like getting more children it's like it didn't make a difference like you already have 10 kids yeah they expected that. more kids like right. they all like if you were going to have a family they expected it to be a big family probably yeah yeah it's like a joyful thing i think Mm -hmm. i think that's like a fun fun ending (laughs) yeah i like i like the ending and he brings back all the lost boys and they go back yeah and then like i guess jane is wendy's daughter later goes and helps peter with her his spring cleaning later and i guess that would just go on forever like Mm -hmm. who's ever descendants of the darling family yeah Yeah, just 
go with Peter. The cartoon spring cleaning. Yeah. I always think that's spring funny. cleaning. Yeah, <laughs> and I like how that Mrs. Peter. Darling made that deal with him. Like, okay, well, you can come get her for one week but every year, but then you have to bring her back, Peter. Like she became yeah. his mother too, kind of like. Yeah, and you bring her right back here. <laughs> I love you. But if you cross me, <laughs> right? No more spring cleaning. No more. You have to do it yourself. Yeah. But then like, that's also there are me? definitely like I don't want to say dark because I think that's the wrong word and the wrong connotation behind it. But there is kind of like interesting aspects to like. I mean, Peter doesn't remember the villains that he kills. He doesn't remember oh, Tinkerbell after she dies. Yeah. He doesn't remember he forgot Wendy for so many years. And I think also mm-hmm. like even though. Jane is Jane and like Jane's daughter Margaret who they say he also picks up and so on and so forth he still thinks that they're Wendy you know what I mean he still thinks he's yeah. picking up Wendy each which time. makes you kind of mad because you think yeah. that Hello? is so important to him and Tink is so important to him at times you know so you're like how could you forget these people right so it's it, it is kind of like I, that must be I'm sure you could go into depths about like the critiques of Jane Barry's making on yeah that end of it being like you yeah. like if you're if you're idolizing immortality you should be you also need to recognize that you're going to be losing a lot which like is your your depth of reality or your connection to any sense of presence i mean like mm-hmm. peter just does not have he he lives entirely in the present but by yes. virtue of that he cannot retain any past like right. you know what i mean so that's interesting but yeah there's that, a I lot think that was i always. think that goes of what you're saying into his relationship with hook because they're so yeah. polar opposites like how you're saying mm-hmm. that peter is so forgetful and young and like on you know on the fly hook is completely you know he's old and he's crotchety and he remembers every wrong that anyone's ever done to him ever and has yeah. like you know written it's down about grudges like, yeah they're complete polar opposites and i think that's why some of peter seems so exaggerated like come on you can't even remember your fairy's name like you just had her last week right because I they're trying to like there's prove even like the, that. a line in the book somewhere or something where it's like just during the time where wendy and the and her brothers were with him and it would be like peter would come back and he'd be and they wouldn't know anything happened until afterwards that they would go out and find bodies in the woods and they're like oh he he had a fight but then yeah. also he would, or other times he would come back and you would talk about all these wild tales of all the fought, fights he did have but then they never found any proof of it so it's like they never mm-hmm. knew what he was it just seems so weird he's such a it's such a di- like dichotomous character mm-hmm. of like what he was lying and why he decided to lie like i mean he's just a little boy He's a little boy mm-hmm. who has no sense of connection to anything, which is also, yeah. I think, interesting about why, even if he forgets everyone else, and even if he forgets when he's supposed to pick Wendy up, he still ultimately remembers Wendy. That's interesting. Yeah, he has, I she, think he she really loves Wendy. Wendy. Yeah, but like, why? Why yeah, was like out of all the stories <laughs> he heard through the windows, she was the one he like latched onto? He liked the story storyteller. Yeah, yeah. I think she's a good storyteller. This is all my notes for today. <clears throat> That's so many good notes, sis. I learned so much. That was quite magical, I must say. Well, thank you for podcasting with me. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Very for magical. Thank you for discussing w- Japan. We might need to do it some more. So. Yeah. I would also yeah. like to say that if you haven't gone on the Peter Pan ride at Disney World, I highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. And oh, that yeah. is biggest contribution to this podcast is because I agree with that. Really, and I really like the addition of the nursery in yes. the Orlando Walt Disney World. Yeah. Not yet. Yeah. They don't have it in Disneyland here in California. <gasps> they only did that in Orlando. But we saw it. 
we totally saw it we saw like, it that was like the best ever we the did. walk through and, and the beautiful shadow peter pan is there guys peter pan is there there we saw and a shadow and tinkerbell it. is in there and tinkerbell's there and she flies the like through the stuff and like rocks like the little wash stand out it's like, so magical it's so magical like peter pan's like real right there. my favorite part is like the very very first second of the ride when you're in wendy's nursery yeah and me too and there's like the little tea set yes. And all the toys. Yeah. yeah. It's so cute. I love it's it. It's so lovely. It's like the first like millisecond. It's like you fly immediately over it. Yeah. But it's like so cute. It's like so cute. Also, real quick, I need to make a note that like I really love the movie Hook. And I don't care if oh. anyone else doesn't. I, I've been I thinking about that movie. podcast. Like, I didn't I know until just that. recently that Hook wasn't as like a success to the world as it was in our family. Yeah, like, I didn't know like, that it wasn't I, I think like the critics like slammed it, and I don't know if I just love it because it came out when we were kids, and I didn't know. I, I don't know. Like maybe if you knew this story and you were an adult, and then that came out, maybe it would seem silly. But I just love that movie. I don't care. I don't care. Because I just Stu just told me that like a little last time we were watching it together, and and I was like, but why? Like what what was it that people didn't like? And he's like, well, I think it's always hard for like if you really love a movie to like understand why someone would hate it. But he's like, I think it might've had to do with the Schindler's list, like how Steven Spielberg directed both of them. He apparently did the Schindler's list like right before and like won all the Oscars for it and then came out with hook. And maybe people oh. thought it was like too lighthearted comparatively. Like they didn't like the whimsy or maybe something. That's why compared. He made it. But that's, I feel like even more exactly like that. I feel Cause like it's like different it than what he had just done. Yeah. Like, isn't that what you're supposed to do? Yes. I don't know. I what think it's magical wrong. and wonderful, and I still think it's a great adaptation of Peter Pan. Thank you. Exactly. Or sequel to and Peter Pan, the... or whatever. That's my opinion. And you were the children of the... Of as the an English major. I don't care. loved it. And yes. Yes. As English major. So I think that says a lot. I think we all should love that movie. If you haven't seen it, you should yes. definitely... Yes, go on the Peter Pan ride in either Disney World Please. or Disneyland. Probably Disney World would be more magical for you. And watch Hook. Right. I gotta say, though, I think... 100%. For some reason... I have the same connotation of fear towards the movie Hook that I do have towards, like, Jumanji. Like, not a real serious fear, like, how how I get scared of things. Like, not yeah. that kind of fear. But, like, there's, like, a trepidation that every time I watch that movie, I feel like I'm, like, watching something that really scared me when I was little. I'm like, what? Is it because of Hook? Like... Does Hook scare you? Like, he's no, kidnapped think... the kids? Maybe. I think also that scene of, like, where the pirate gets stuck in a trunk with a bunch of scorpions really broke me out. <laughs> real hard oh, yeah that really yeah. stuck in my brain yeah, that's so really bad. creepy yeah that was creepy yeah so i think just like and it's like i really i do love the movie and i enjoy it so much but i feel like every time i see it i can't stare at it without having like a little part of my heart being like oh why am i like so like trepidatious of this? like why do i feel like i like should eerie. do it? yeah yeah there's an eeriness to it maybe that's yeah. it i can't get away from like that like can i uh, ask a question for both mm-hmm. of you but also maybe for Mamster, mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know if either of you why is it called hook because it centers on hook like them having to defeat yeah hook? i think like, it's because it's like back, his revenge yeah okay i, I think that's that makes sense it's not peter pan it's like revenge mm-hmm. of hook and yeah. also because it's like because the story we know is called peter pan then i think that it would make sense that the sequel is called the villain's name instead of the yeah hero. yeah i, I think it's also sense. like peter pan is it makes more sense. maybe not a version of hook but it's kind of like he's he's an adult now, so he's playing on. It's more centered on his role with Hook than like his role with Wendy. Yeah, kind of. They thing. don't want you to think it's the Peter Pan story. Yeah. 
He's an adult facing another adult. (laughs) That's what I'm going to assume. I just now thought of that. Like, oh, wait, it's called Hook. (laughs) It's not just Pan. I know. I know it has. Right. Um, For all those listeners out there, thanks for listening. Sorry we haven't had one so long. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening. This is so much Everybody fun. Out there. Thank you so much. Um, please, so much we'll update some new photos for this podcast. I'll put some pictures up of like the statue and um, some pictures of the boys and stuff on our Instagram, which is We Three English Majors. Yeah, Boshnazzle. It is Boshnazzle. We Three English Majors. Yeah, all spelled out. Three spelled out. Okay. So there's so three E's in the middle of the word, which is kind of funny. Okay, yeah. So everyone, please check out our Instagram, We Three English Majors, all spelled out, all together, mm-hmm. for picture references from this episode. And yes. um, follow us there, or talk to us, and whatever you want. Yeah. Um, please remember to leave us a rating or a review if you yes, have time. Please. Thank you. Please rate Thank and review you. Or, and, and subscribe, yeah. We have, like, some subscribers out in, like, England. We have a couple. Oh my gosh, Shout that's out so to magical. England, you know, and also, Woo-hoo. this is Peter Pan, and it's Thank England. you. Um, should I end awesome. with a quote? Oh, oh please yes. do. And also, may the fourth be with you one yes, more time. And end with you. Thank you. Unto you. Okay, I'm going to end with a very simple line that is the opening line of J.M. Barry's Peter Pan, and it goes like this. All children, except one, grow up. There you go. That was yeah. the first line of the book. So oh, yeah. That was beautiful. That's true. Peter Pan never grows That's up. The opening of that story. He's and still in Kensington Gardens. Yep. All children but one. Yeah. With those evil fairies. All right. I hope that they behave themselves. Okay, so I love you both. Um, I love you both. I'll talk to you later. Thanks for podcasting. They all lived happily. Wait, is that right? You say Jess. What do we say? (laughs) And they all lived happily ever after on this episode of We Three English. And on to you. (laughs) On to you. you. Bye, guys. Bye bye. Bye, guys. See you later. Bye.